turn in the Word of God tonight to Psalm 23, which is where the text for the sermon is going to come from. Psalm 23 is a brief psalm. So I'd like to also read tonight Psalm 22. And I'll make a comment about that in the introduction to the sermon. So let's read Psalm 22 and Psalm 23. And then Psalm 23, verse 6, the last verse that we read is going to be the text for the sermon. So this is Psalm 22 to begin with. My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? Why art Thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but Thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But Thou art holy, O Thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel, our fathers trusted in Thee. They trusted, and Thou didst deliver them. They cried unto Thee, and were delivered. They trusted in Thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that He would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near for there is none to help. Many bulls have come past me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths as a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of, the, of death. For dogs have come past me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not thou far from me, O Lord, O my strength. Haste thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him. And fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever." All the ends of the world shall remember and turn unto the Lord, and all the kindreds of the nations shall worship before Him. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and He 
is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon earth shall eat and worship. All they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him. It shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. And now Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's that last verse that we consider. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the text for the sermon is Psalm 23, verse 6. And the reason that I wanted to read not just Psalm 23, but also Psalm 22, is that we can see an important relationship between these two psalms. Psalm 22, which we begin with tonight, is a psalm that almost more clearly than any other psalm, brings us to the cross of Calvary. When we read the beginning of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why hast Thou forsaken me? We know that those were the words that the Lord Jesus Christ Himself said when He was hanging on the cross of Calvary. And later in Psalm 22, we read about things that were prophetic of the Lord Jesus Christ on that cross. Verse 18, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. Psalm 22 is one of the clearest psalms regarding the suffering and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we come to Psalm 23. And we can see a relationship between 22 and 23. And the relationship is very simple. Why is it the case that Jehovah is our shepherd as He is described for us in Psalm 23? How can it be the case that everything in Psalm 23 is true for us as God's people, including what we're going to consider tonight, that the goodness and mercy of Jehovah follows us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, that is the case, and the only reason that can be the case, because of what is proclaimed especially in Psalm 22. Because Jesus died, because Jesus suffered, He is 
our Savior and God. Therefore, on the basis of that suffering and death of the Lord Jesus Christ is our shepherd, our faithful shepherd, who promises to care for us and comfort us and lead us and guide us until that time when He is pleased to bring us home to glory. So in light of that, we look at Psalm 23. And Psalm 23, verse 6 is a beautiful text. And one of the things about Psalm 23, verse 6 that makes it so beautiful is the fact that it's all-encompassing. All-encompassing from this point of view, it speaks to what is true in our present life. What is true for us here and now. Goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of my life. So it, it covers the whole reality of our present life. But then, what makes Psalm 23, verse 6 so beautiful is that it says, now we're going to say something about the life to come. And so it covers the whole of the reality of the life to come. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So let's ponder those words tonight. We use as our theme the goodness and mercy of our shepherd. And let's use those two ideas to begin with our present life and then our eternal life. And we'll conclude briefly tonight by looking at the certainty of these truths. With Psalm 23, verse 6, our focus at the beginning is on the goodness and mercy of God. That's what's called attention to. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. The text is not stated explicitly, but we are talking here, of course, about the goodness and mercy of Jehovah. Everything in the text points to that, of course. Psalm 23 is about what God as our Good Shepherd does for us. So that when we come to verse 6, it's obvious that the goodness and mercy of which the text is speaking is the goodness and mercy of Jehovah. And it's that goodness and mercy that follows us. And that's, of course, what we need to know. Goodness and mercy can be attributes that are true of men. We can be good. We must be good to one another. We can be merciful. We must be merciful to one another. But what we need to know tonight, what we need to be certain of tonight, is not that there is the goodness and mercy of a man that follows me, but what we need to know and be certain of is this, that we have a God and it's His goodness, it's His mercy that follows us all the days of our life. Goodness and mercy of Jehovah, because God is a God who is good and who is merciful. So these ideas of goodness and mercy, we start by saying, this is what is true of God Himself. God is a good God. We always say that. God is a good God. And God is a merciful God. He's a merciful God within Himself. And the goodness and mercy of God is the goodness and mercy that is true of Himself as God as it is displayed to and given to and worked for His people. So that God's goodness is the very simple truth that He is the one who will do good to His people. He always has His good in mind. Her good. 
his children's good in mind. And that good, of course, is their eternal good. That God, by His strength and in His wisdom, will work all things for the eternal good of all of His children. He's a good God who does good for His people. And He's a merciful God who's merciful towards His children. He's compassionate. He takes pity upon. He loves those who are His children. When you reflect upon the goodness and mercy of Jehovah in Psalm 23, verse 6, one of the best ways to explain it very simply is in light of the psalm as a whole. In a certain sense, Psalm 23, verse 6, and this phrase stands as a as a summarizing conclusion to everything that the psalm teaches. Everything in Psalm 23 is the expression and explanation of this goodness and mercy of Jehovah. You want to understand the goodness of mercy of Jehovah? Look at verse 2. He makes me to lie down in green pastures and leads me beside the still waters. That's the goodness and mercy of Jehovah. That we as His sheep are led by God to have peace and calm in the depth of our souls. What a picture. Lying down in the green pastures besides the still waters, free from fear, free from trouble, peace and calm, because He's a God of goodness and mercy who says, I am your God. Christ is your Savior. You are secure. All is well. That's the goodness and mercy of Jehovah. You want to see the goodness and mercy of Jehovah? Look at verse 3. He restores my soul. He restores us. We can fall. And we do fall. We can be like sheep who are, are flipped over on our back. And if we don't have a shepherd who comes and He lifts us up and He puts us back on our feet, we would be destroyed and we would be filled with despair. But this is His goodness and mercy. He proclaims the Gospel to us week after week so that we are lifted back on our feet in the strength of God because we are restored by Him through His work in the power of the Gospel and by the Spirit of Jesus Christ worked in us. That's the goodness and mercy of Jehovah. It's also this, verse 3, He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He guides us. What a good God we have. What a merciful God we have. Who says to us as His sheep, I'm going to guide you. You're always prone to wandering. We as sheep go astray. It's in our nature because we're sinners to go astray. And and the Lord as our good shepherd and His mercy for us says, I'm going to guide you. I've given you My Word. And you have that Word as a lamp upon your path. A a light upon your feet. I, I give you the church where there is the bringing of that Word so that we can think of this very practically. Here we are at the beginning of another week. Now we go forward in the strength of what we heard today committed to walking as God's children and as disciples of Jesus Christ. What a good God and good shepherd we have. And oh, how the goodness and mercy of God is displayed in verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
the valley of the shadow of death. We're all going through it. We may not always think of it if we're young and healthy and strong as some of us are. But we're all in this valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes it becomes very, very deep. Maybe it's someone that we know well who's facing death. But it's all going to be very deep for us one day when we face death. The deep, dark, scary valley of death. And this is the goodness and mercy of God. He says to us, don't fear death. Don't fear death because Jesus has conquered death. We have such a good God and such a merciful God that that last enemy of death, which can be a terror, Job describes it as the king of terrors. The terror of it is destroyed because Christ has conquered that death. That's God's goodness and mercy. And let's finish at the end of verse 4. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The rod and the staff, the rod to protect us from the enemies. The staff to bring us back to Himself. God is always doing that to us in our life. And then verse 5, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My head Thou dost anoint and my cup runneth over. You can think about uh, the Lord's Supper. So we have, we have baptism this morning. You're going to come up to the Lord's Supper and it's a bountifully table that He prepares. We, we feast on the riches of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are riches. We are the richest people in all the world. We enjoy a feast that is beyond imagined as we have it in our Savior and through His work. This right here is the great goodness and the great mercy of our Shepherd. But the text tells us not just that God is a God of goodness and mercy, but the text tells us that that goodness and mercy of Jehovah follows me. Follows me. And that's a striking a description in Psalm 23, verse 6, because of the meaning of that word follow. That word follow, uh, more literally in the original Hebrew of this, uh, means to pursue or to chase. And the word follow in the text, as it's found other places in the Old Testament, is most often used to describe what an army does to its enemy. So an army is on the chase. It's pursuing. It's relentlessly going after its enemy. And David takes that idea and he says that's what's true of the goodness and mercy of Jehovah. It is relentlessly pursuing and chasing me and us as God's people. Now you remember here, of course, that David is the human writer of Psalm 23. And so when he uses a word like that, that expresses an idea like that, he does it from his own personal experience. You children know and are being taught the history of the Old Testament and the history of David. And what was true of David's life? Well, at the beginning, you have Saul. And what did Saul do? 
with his army. Saul relentlessly pursued and chased after David in order to destroy him. And that was one thing at the beginning, but that wasn't the end of it for David because then later in his life, not just a Saul, but now we're dealing with an Absalom, his own son. And what did Absalom do? He relentlessly pursued and chased after David, his father, trying to take over the throne. David understood this idea experientially. And he takes that idea and he says, this is what God's goodness and mercy is like. And I believe it's not just that he says, okay, this is what armies do to enemies, and something similar to that is true for God's mercy and goodness, which relentlessly pursues it. It's not just that they are like each other, but I believe the point of David is that when you are being pursued by those enemies, what David knew is as Saul was pursuing him, chasing him, trying to destroy him, as Absalom was chasing him, pursuing him, and trying to destroy him, right there with that, right along with that, also pursuing and chasing him, and right there with him was this, the goodness and mercy of God. And so the point is, no matter what you're going through, when you feel like there may be a relentless attack upon you from the enemy, this is what is going on at the exact same time. God's mercy and God's goodness is always there. He can lead us by those still waters. And in those moments, as David did, in those caves, he could be at peace because he knows God is his shepherd. And in those moments when we're being attacked and we're tempted to despair, he restores us back on our feet. And he leads us when we're being attacked. This is where you need to go. Stay on the straight and narrow. And maybe it gets to that point where you face death. And he gives us no fear. And he has that rod and that staff and it brings us back to Him. And so David is teaching us here that no matter what you're going through, even if it is like what he went through being chased and attacked by the enemies that seek the destruction of God's people and God's kingdom, always know this. God's goodness and God's mercy is right there. Right there in it. And still at work for your good, and for your salvation. Because it is a goodness and mercy that follows me all the days of my life. And that's the proof of what I just said. David says, all the days of my life, God's goodness and mercy are following me. It's remarkable when you think about the nature of our life. The nature of our life is that it's always changing, isn't it? Everything about this earthly life changes. We change from the point of view of we grow older, really all on a pathway to death, from dust to dust. Our material possessions change. We get them, they wear out, we replace them. Our life circumstances change. We 
We have this job for a time, and then we move on to a different job. Our relationships, for whatever reason, at times change. There's so much in our life that changes. But God says in this text tonight, but there's one thing that will never change. There's one thing that's a, a constant all the days of your life. This you can know and must know. God is good to you. And God is merciful to you in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do need to know that because though so much of our life changes, at the same time there is one thing that never changes on this side of the grave. And that one thing that never changes on this side of the grave is the fact that I'm a sinner. And I wake up every day and I go through the day and I am conscious of the reality that I am a sinner. And that if I were on my own because of that sin, I would be lost. But in the constant daily reality of my sin, this I especially need to know too. That right there following me, comforting me, guiding me, is the goodness and mercy of Jehovah. What a beautiful way in which we're able to think about our present life. Our life here on this earth. All the days of our life. So now let's look at what the text says about our eternal life. Our eternal life is obviously referred to in the text because it says, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that the psalmist takes us from what we have today every day to what we will experience upon death forever. And and the relationship between the two is that that goodness and mercy of Jehovah is chasing us, is pursuing us to a destination. It's not a goodness and mercy that's just relentlessly pursuing us in a a haphazard, chaotic, who knows where we're going to end up way. But that goodness and mercy is is relentlessly pushing us, so to speak, to a final destination. And that's the way to think about the psalm. He lays us down in green pastures, and when He does that, He's bringing us that much closer to the final realization of that. He leads us in the paths of righteousness. It's a leading us that brings us closer to the final day when it will be only righteousness and glory. Ultimately, He's going to bring us through the valley of the shadow of death and through death into this eternal life. So that the whole idea here is that the goodness and mercy is chasing us, pursuing us, following us until that time when we are brought to the end. And that end will be a dwelling in the house of the Lord forever. This is talking about heaven, of course. And not just heaven, but also the new creation. That's what we believe the Bible teaches. We believe that upon death our soul will go to heaven and our bodies will go to this ground. But then Jesus will return on the clouds of glory. And when He returns, He's going to make all things new. He's going to renew this creation. And with resurrected bodies, we will live with the Lord Jesus Christ and all of God's people. So that when we read here 
I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a reference to that life that we have in our soul upon death and in our body and soul in the new creation when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. The way in which that life is described is dwelling in the house of Jehovah. The house of all of the ways that could be used to describe eternal life. David in Psalm 23 is led by the Spirit to say it's like being in a house. And the reason that the Lord teaches us with this picture is to say this is what this is what life with me is all about. It's about communing with me. It's about fellowshipping with me. It's about being part of my family and experiencing blessed friendship with me as God. Because that's what life in a home is all about. On this side of the grave, there is home life. And sometimes in God's providence, it's, it's really good. In the sense that there is blessed Christian fellowship in the home with the members of that home. And blessed Christian friendship in the home and in the members of that home. And we thank God for that. Sometimes it's very difficult, as we well know. Where home life is, is, is very difficult. And there isn't the expression of that blessed Christian fellowship with those who are our family in a home. But whatever it may be, the point is that what there is a dim reflection of here will be experienced perfectly in the age to come. And that's what we want to focus on. Whatever the experience may be here when we hear dwelling in the house of house here below, what we want to see is that the reality to which that may point, the reality of eternal life is, is glorious and so much greater and absolutely amazing. It is to be with God with out sin. It is to be with God in the face of Jesus Christ without death. It is to be with God without suffering and pain and difficulty and all the hardships that cause the tears to flow down our faces. And it is to be with God and enjoy Him forever. Think the Garden of Eden Adam and Eve, before the fall, they enjoyed God in the Garden of Eden, walking and talking with Him in the cool of the day. But now think that even to a greater reality because we will be with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we will be in a renewed creation with resurrected bodies that cannot fall into sin as Adam and Eve could in the very beginning. This is what is in store for us. And David says here, you're going to dwell there forever. Forever. Anytime we read that in the Bible, and it's all over, you stop and you say, how in the world can we even understand that? Forever. 
I can understand 38 years. Having been on this earth 38 years. I can understand looking at someone who's older 60 years, 70 years, 80 years, and conceptualize and understand what 80 years is. I can, and we can, understand a thousand years as we look back in history and, and read the history books. Even 6,000 years as we read the history of the Bible and roughly understand that this world is some 6,000 years. There's some concept that we can have of that passage of time. But then we read this, forever. And we who are creatures of time cannot fathom forever. Forever we will enjoy God in this way. But that's what the Bible says. And that's what we believe by faith. That the life that we will have with God enjoying Him is a life that will never, ever end. That's how great, beloved, that is how great the work of Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd, is. Because in the end, as we think about having a place in the house of the Lord, our our mind likely goes to John 14. John 14 where Jesus makes clear that I'm going to go to heaven and I'm going to prepare a, a room for you in my Father's house. In my Father's house, which is a mansion, which is a beautiful house. And Jesus says, that's what I am going to do. And we know that He went to heaven, but to prepare that place, where did He go? He first went to the depths of hell. Before He went up, He went down. And He went down into the depths of hell in order to earn your place in that room, in that house, to dwell with God forever. And here's the point. So great was that work of Jesus. So perfect was that work of Jesus. So complete was that work of Jesus. That God says, I give to you a righteousness and an eternal life. An eternal life that can never be diminished. That is truly eternal. Eternal in living with me in the new creation forever. Beloved, this is what is in store for you and for me, and not just for us, for all of God's people, the world over and throughout all of history. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, we will dwell in the house of Jehovah forever. And David was absolutely, absolutely certain of it. He was certain that this was going to be the case for him. Notice the certainty as it's expressed in the text. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Surely. That's how he starts. That's the expression of certainty. And then also, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's certainty. I will dwell in God's house forever. David was absolutely certain that this was going to be the case. 
why he was absolutely certain was because of a few things. All of which are important for us and why we can be certain. In the first place, he was absolutely certain because he knew who this God was. He knew who Jehovah was. Jehovah is my shepherd. My shepherd. And he knew everything that was true of this Jehovah who was his God. Your certainty and my certainty of dwelling in God's house forever comes from setting our eyes upon that God and saying, who is He? And what is true of Him? Who is He? He is God. Who is He? He is Jehovah. The unchanging I Am that I Am. Who is He? He is the One who is sovereign over the entire world and my life. Who is He? He is the wise God who works all things according to His purpose. Who is He? To go back to the text, He's a God of goodness and mercy. You see, when you take your eyes off of Him, and for example, put it back on yourself, and say, am I certain that this will be the case? And the certainness goes away. The certainty, the certainty comes in the first place from knowing who Jehovah is as He is revealed in Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd who laid down His life for His sheep. And so tonight, set your eyes on this God. Set your eyes on this God and know who He is. Believe who He is by faith. A faith that God has worked in you. And know this is true. Despite everything the devil may try to do to tempt me to doubt, to question it, to say, how could it be case? How could it actually be you're going to be with God forever? In spite of all of that, we say no to that. And in the strength of faith, say, I know who my God is. And the certainty in the second place arises out of, of knowing His faithfulness. His faithfulness in our own lives. David writes Psalm 23, and he's gone through much. And he looks back at his life, and just as those enemies pursued him, Saul and Absalom and others, he knew God was right there. He could always look back, and he could always say, God was faithful. And as I look back and say, God was faithful. He never let me go. And even when I walked in the ways of sin, you think about that for David, even when he committed that adultery and that murder and covered it up for a period of time, God was still faithful. He brought him to his knees to repentance as he brought the word through Nathan to him, Thou art the man. David could always say, God was faithful. And so looking back, he then could look forward and have every reason to believe and no reason to doubt that everything God said would be true. I will dwell with Him forever. And so, beloved, look back. Look back and see in your life as a believer how God is faithful. And again, when you're looking back 
It's not a looking back and a focusing on yourself, but it's a looking back and seeing the hand of God. He was always there. He always kept me. He's always leading me. And here I am today in the house of God, hearing the Gospel preached, and I have the confidence it's going to continue, and I'm going to continue in the confidence of faith that one day I will dwell with Him forever. So you know who this God is. That's the certainty. His faithfulness in your life. And you can even broaden it out and say, look at what He's done in human history. Church history. Why do we care about church history and biblical history? Because they are the testimonies of the faithfulness of our God in Jesus Christ. God has always done what He said He would do. Every promise given by the God whose yea, whose, uh, yea is, who is faithful to the Word that He speaks. His promise is yea and amen in Jesus Christ. Every word He says has come to pass throughout history. So that we know this Word will come to pass in the future. I will dwell in His house forever. And so with that certainty, make this your confession. That's the last point. To end on a personal note and understand that David, David made this as his own personal confession. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful personal confession. And so say it. Actually say it. Right now, say it in your heart. As I, as the mouthpiece of Christ, say it for you. But say it in your heart. I know this God is my shepherd. I know His mercy and goodness will follow me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And keep saying it. Say it back to God in prayer and praise. Say it to each other in your family life and in your church life together. Say it to those who will hear you say it and will listen to you say it. This is my testimony as a Christian and as a follower of Jesus Christ. I know that I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And say it with joy in your heart. And say it with all the conviction and hope that you have. Because these things are certain through Jesus Christ's work. What a word. What a gospel. And what a comfort. And what a hope that we have as the sheep who are saved by the Good Shepherd. May God give those things to us as His people tonight. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in Heaven, we love Psalm 23. We love it because it reveals to us who Thou art and what Thou dost promise to do. We pray that Thou wilt assure us in our hearts and in our souls that these things are true and that we will dwell in Thy house forever. Go with us now in the rest of this night and in this week to come. Guide us and care for us. And bring us back together again in thy good time, if it be thy will.
We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.